time on his hands and too much recording equipment in his basement. Armed with an obsession to bring entertaining and informative content to the dental world in a way that's never been done before, I give you the Alan Mead Experience. Well, hello and welcome to the Alan Mead Experience. I'm your host, Alan Mead, dentist, podcaster, and pastry chef to the stars. Uh, I would like to welcome you to this latest episode of the Alan Mead Experience. I want to introduce my guest who probably all of you have heard of, and I'm I'm feeling pretty smug that we got him on so early because he's he's sort of a get. I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Corey Glenn. Corey, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Well, I'm doing great. This is very cool to have you on the show. We've had you on the Dental Hacks before, uh, and but this is kind of cool because we do a little bit of storytelling and conversations and all that sort of stuff. I thought you'd be really good for this. So yeah, man, I appreciate you having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah. You're coming from Winchester, Tennessee, correct? The metropolis of Winchester. Yes. It is a metropolis. I've been there. I I've, I've, I've visited. It was, it was a metropolis. I liked it. Stayed in my parents' house. I did. I stayed in the bottom bunk of, uh, yes. I I can't remember which it was a frozen sleeping bag. I think it was a frozen frozen sleeping bag, frozen sleeping bag. Um, Lipscomb grabbed the other room really fast. So there it was. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that was a good time though. It was great. Oh my gosh. I still, I still am blown away that first off at your hospitality, but secondly, just how cool it was to, to like learn the software. Well, just to fill you guys in, he had a few of us dental hacks people, uh, to, he was teaching us kind of hands-on with the blue sky bio implant planning software. Uh, so and it was really cool. We had a great time and, uh, I, I learned a ton. And um, I have to say, I, I haven't started using it yet, but it's also because the CT thing in Michigan has just sort of come on. I will be able to use it soon enough, though, so I'll have to revisit how to run it. So it's very cool. So, oh, man, I can't can't wait for you to get a comb beam. You're going to have a blast. Well, it is. It's like it's one of these things where it was easy for me to, like, say, well, I, I can't have that. I mean, I have to do all the paperwork. Now that I can actually do it, I kind of have to get up and decide if I'm going to do it, right? Because it's, it's a... I mean, there's so much benefit to it, and I do have to say, I have a couple friends that I can refer people to, and it's been amazing. Like I've, I, right. I, I didn't do the last implant I placed. I did not do guided, but I did have a, a CT, and you can only imagine the difference in confidence that you have. You know, just just even knowing even knowing how much bone you're going to have before you you know you lay a flap or whatever. So it's great. It's cool. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So okay, that's a question for you. What do you think? Do you think the CT is going to be like the panoramic X-ray within? How how long do you think it'll be before it's so commonplace as to be like like just an afterthought in dental uh, offices? I, I think we're halfway there right now. I mean, I, I know myself and most of my friends that have them. It it has pretty much replaced the traditional pan. So like my machine will take a traditional pan still, but we we don't do it unless it's like on a young child. Unless or, you hate the patient and you just unless don't we want hate good, the yeah, patient, exactly. Yes. And we don't want to see them in 3D, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I mean, we just we take cone beams now, and uh, you know, I, they're so much more valuable for the uh, minimal increase in radiation. I just I don't have a use for my pan anymore. I know, right? That's kind of a, I, that's what everyone says. Okay, so tell me this: How much do you charge? You charge what you used to charge for a pan? I mean, are you? I, I know a lot of people around here. CTs were kind of at a premium, so like they were charging hundreds of dollars per scan versus like 
do you know guys that are making it so it's about what a pan used to cost so it's it's essentially negligible uh, yeah ours roughly is i mean if we're in contract with an insurance provider they're going to downgrade you to a pan mm-hmm. so that's you know that's 60 percent of my practice so we get downgraded there and then in general my fees are like 200 dollars, which okay. is not that much more than my pan sure. and if I'm taking it for an implant case, what we do is credit that back if they proceed with treatment. So they do have to pay for it that day, but it, it all comes out in the wash. Sure it does. And I mean, you're, I mean, basically the treatment planning for any implants you do, that's, I mean, that's just, that's just like taking models at that point. Oh, absolutely. And you don't want to set up the scenario where you, you do the free consult and you come in and, and people are getting these things for free. So I like that model of, you know, at least if they go through with the consult, we're, we're getting something and we're getting paid for our diagnostic time. And then if they go through with it, I don't really care to credit it back because we're doing an implant. It's so good. I mean, it's a really good strategy because, because it's sort of a win-win. Uh, you're actually able to do the diagnostic that you should be doing in the first place. You know, it's, I don't know. That's right. very, I, I kind of like the way you're doing that. Right. So, okay. And last time when I was down there, you actually were not intraoral scanning. You were actually using your CT to scan your models. You still doing that? I am. Yeah, man. We, uh, we sold our, I had a blue cam. We sold that since, and, uh, I am out of the intraoral scanning business at the moment. Um, would like to get back into it. If I can get back to the office, we'll come back to that here in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. for, For my purposes, for what I'm doing, uh, you know, with this blue sky software, basically I just need an STL model and I can get that by taking either a, a PVS impression of the patient's arch or a stone model and I can comb beam scan that. And so the software will turn that into my digital model and man, they, they work great and everything fits really well on them. And so you're, you're finding that to be plenty accurate enough that you don't have to do an intro scan. You know, and there's some ways in which it's better. Um, you need to define the difference between, uh, accuracy and resolution. So the CBCT is, is extremely accurate. It just doesn't have the same resolution, uh, as an intraoral scan. So the analogy I give is imagine if you made a, an acrylic night guard directly onto a stone model, it's going to be super accurate, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's also going to be incredibly high in resolution. And when you try to take that off the model, what happens? Break the model. You break the model because it's almost too accurate. Mm -hmm. And so when you do this with a cone beam, it doesn't have that level of resolution, so it can't pick up every little tiny nook and cranny. It's almost the effect of like putting a tiny wax spacer on there and okay. waxing out okay, got it. Yeah. And so you end up almost with something that can fit better with fewer potential um, interferences as you're trying to seed it. So in that so in that way, like because the the a lot of the the cases that we used when you were showing us the the planning software, those were all done off models. I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's and I mean models. those those were wicked accurate. They were basically the software tells you when you've got a match close enough that they're that it's confident it's gonna it's gonna be accurate. So, right. I mean, when you start getting into crown and bridge and digital ortho and things like that, well, now we need both resolution and accuracy. But oh, very for making for making just a guide again, I don't really necessarily want that super high resolution. Wow, it's a really good so. point. I didn't think about that. You're, you're so, yeah. the, the difference between accuracy of a, of a, of a unit of crown and bridge versus accuracy of seating a, a guide down on someone's arch. Very different. I didn't think about very that. different. Good yeah. point. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So we're going to do a segment here because you sort of alluded to it right now. Corey is not, is not doing, I mean, for how many years were you, um, a wet fingered dentist sucking spit, drilling fillings, doing crowns. How many years were you doing that? 
Uh, well, I, I graduated in 08, so I guess... Uh, God, you're just a child. I had no idea. Yes, I'm a mere babe. But uh, yeah, I was doing that for eight years when I got the leukemia. And uh, so yeah, I've been... Uh, I actually went through the leukemia ordeal. It mm-hmm. took about, I don't know, eight months or so. And then I went back in the office, was gung-ho and trying to work and everything. And I, I worked half days for about four months, or I'm sorry, two months. My back was killing me. Mm-hmm. Uh, cut down to like two patients a day, it was still killing me. And so as of like December, I actually had to go back on disability. Mm-hmm. And, uh, since then I've been basically doing out other of stuff. the mouth hole, if I'm not I'm mistaken, out of the mouth. Hole, okay. Yes. Hold, hold that thought. So now we're going to dig into what a day to day life of Corey Glenn is. So here's the segment. The Alan Mead experience fly on the wall. Okay, since you've kind of gotten out of the mouth hole, and we can go right. back, we can we can go back about the leukemia thing. We talked about that a bit on the dental hacks, but yeah. you've been out of the mouth hole since probably basically for 2017. Essentially, you've been not not what is what is day to day life for you right now? I know you're doing a lot with Blue Sky Bio, but I would love to know like like give us a regular day in the life of Corey Glenn right now. Yeah, so you know, with all this uh, the back stuff, and I, you know, I'm looking at the potential aspect of. Uh, you know, am I not ever going to be able to get back in the mouth? Uh, there was a few things I wanted to try to try and get back in. So one was that I was, you know, I topped out at about 260 pounds. And so, uh, I thought, man, I've got to lose 50 pounds and see if that's contributing to the back issue. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but I'm going to, you know, kick myself if I end up having to get out of practice. And that was half the cause. So, uh, as of the last few months, I've been on a pretty serious health kick. And so, Every single day, I, I basically wake up. I do uh, I do my bulletproof coffee for the ketogenic diet. We'll come back to that, mm-hmm. and uh, then I'll take my girls to school. I, I do try to make that a priority of taking them to school and picking them up and mm-hmm. free. Uh, so I'll take them, and then I go straight from there to the gym. And I'm usually spending a couple of hours at the gym, uh, just doing weights and stretching and that kind of thing. And, uh, then I'll come home and usually I, I spend the next three to four hours, um, taking calls, answering emails, uh, working on various little digital projects that I've got going on mm-hmm. and, uh, then back to pick the girls up at three. And then the remainder of the day, typically I'm just, again, taking phone calls and emails, but trying to spend that time with my girls, uh, whenever I'm not doing those. So you're sort of, you're sort of a kept man is what you're saying. You're sort, you're sort kinda, of a. <laughs> I'm basically a trophy husband. A trophy husband. Is, is, I mean, is what I'm saying. Hey, I've seen you, man. I can see that. <laughs> I can totally see that. No, it's, I mean, I have to say that the idea that there is a certain appeal, mind you, I, I'm not in the position where I have to be out of the mouth hole, but um, there's a certain appeal to to having that time at home. Like, I, I don't work Fridays right now, and I feel like my Fridays are somewhat similar to your regular day. And, and sometimes, not sometimes, a lot of times I work four days and I think to myself, man, I could do what I do in four days and three days just because I'm not that efficient, you know? So sometimes I'm like, man, it'd be kind of cool to have another, another day to just do the other projects and stuff. But so, so you're, uh, um, so you, you bring the girls to school, you go to the gym, um, you, you then work on a lot of the digital projects. So what's going on in your, cause you still have a dental practice. What's going on in your dental practice? I do. Yeah. It's still cranking away. I, um, I had a, great associate come on, you know, about a month or two into my whole leukemia ordeal. His, uh, girlfriend actually was my nurse in the, mm-hmm. in the hospital. She walked in and she said, Hey, are you the Dr. Glenn that posts on dental town? And I was like, what is going on here? But, uh, <laughs> are you the Dr. I, Glenn that's incredibly nerdy enough that my yes. boyfriend knows who you are? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, so he came up and I interviewed him in the hospital, and he's worked for me ever since. And so, okay, uh, so tell me this: Were you in a gown when you interviewed him? Be honest now. No, okay. no, I was in basketball shorts. That so. would have been that would have been particularly awkward, I think, personally. Yeah, thank, thankfully I didn't ever have to wear the gown, no. so I was I was cool there. Okay, good, good. But uh, yeah, he's I've still got my same staff; they're still cranking away. Um, I, honestly, that's it's interesting. The numbers have not drop significantly in my absence like you start to remember feel, starting to feel a little a little left out now yeah yeah you know <laughs> you you kind of get your ego go and you think oh man someone else coming into my practice this place Everybody's can't so, run without me yeah they're so hung up on me I, the numbers are going to drop a ton and maybe they did for the first little bit but honestly since he's gotten up to four days uh man he's putting up the same numbers that i am nice well i think i think i met him in october when i was there uh was was that the same one that was he came to the uh, Dr. Kirk had that continuing education thing at the. Yes, yes, yeah. you did meet him. And I, yeah, I, so I did. That's very cool. Okay, so you've had the same associate then for a while. That's really cool. Right. You're living the dream, man. There's a lot of people that would kill to have what you've got. Mind you, they probably would prefer no leukemia. Just saying. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. If, if my back was intact, I would say it's a pretty sweet gig. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, I, I would. I, I'm the guy that actually enjoys being in the mouth. So that's a little bit of a bummer for me. Sure. But. At the same time, you know, I'm, I'm getting to do a lot of the stuff that uh, there's been a lot of doors open in the absence of clinical dentistry that sure. I wouldn't have been able to pursue. So I've gotten to travel a ton. I'm still working my tail off. It's just a different uh, type of work, and it's a little more of a loose schedule. So I can fit in things like working out and all that where it had really been difficult before uh, trying to do that, plus the clinical practice, plus see sure. my kids and all sure. that. So okay, let's let's double back to the to the weight loss and the working out. I have to tell you that like we have um, we have a weight loss group that's been going on for a year and a half now. The Dental Hacks Fat Attack, and if if any listeners are are interested, you can just go Google Dental Hacks Fat Attack. It's a it's a private it's a closed group, but it, you can find it and just ask for an invite. There's a bunch of there's more than a hundred people in there that. In, I was pretty mad that you guys started an online fat camp without I had me. No, I didn't I, even know I, about it. I, I, Corey, here's the problem. See, in my mind, you're bigger than life. So, like me approaching you to say, "Hey, you want to join our little group?" <laughs> struck, struck me as kind of, kind of uh, presumptuous. But, but in reality, the thing that kills me about this: this was originally a plan for me to to lose the weight and be good, and, and everyone else could sort of help me. I've been lame about it, but I, I go into that group, and there's a ton of people that are like kicking ass. They're like losing weight. They're doing yeah. great, right? So, and and I mean, you are one of them. And I have to tell you, I have done it. In 2005, I lost like 78 pounds or something. But the thing is, oh, is, wow. is getting it back, it's real easy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it takes almost no effort. Exactly. So I, I, and I, I have to, I have to work on my motivation. I know how to do it. It isn't, it isn't the know-how. It's the, eh, I kind of want this donut. That's, you know, it's, it's more that kind of thing. So I'd love to hear how, how did you get the eye of the tiger for the weight loss thing? Cause th what you're 37 pounds down. Is that what you said? Uh, yeah, I think I'm 37 down right now. God, that's from where amazing. I started. That's a, that's so, yeah. a lot. That's like, that's like, that's like a, a you know, a six year old or something, man. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's my youngest daughter. But, uh, <laughs> I know. I, I mean, I had Pick her up and lose, carry though. around I'm, for a little while. You're thinking, man, yeah. I was doing that. Exactly. It is amazing when you think about, gosh, I was carrying that around every step of every day. It's no wonder my knees were hurting. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, everybody I know who's really had some significant uh, health gains, you know, where they've lost a lot of weight or, or gotten built or whatever, it's almost like they all have this 
this absolute come to Jesus moment where yeah. it's like that, that is it. I, you know, I'm doing this now. And I kind of had that because again, I was facing the prospect of, you know, am I going to now have to sell my practice because I can't do clinical dentistry? Mm-hmm. And so that for me was the biggest motivation. Unfortunately, you know, I've lost all this weight and hadn't changed my back pain at all. Uh, if I do the stuff that aggravates it, it'll still, you know, interesting get worse. But I was, I was it, waiting, I was waiting for like the, the inspirational music to come on and you just say, no, now my back pain is okay. So you're still having the un- same issue. Yeah. Unfortunately that didn't change at all, but I feel so much better in every other respect that I've, now that I've seen the momentum, it's kind of, you know, built on itself and it's a lot easier to keep up. Okay. So with weight loss, what I know about nothing succeeds like success. That right, first absolutely. moment when your pants start feeling loose and then they get looser and looser and then you have to get new pants and then those pants yep. get loose. There's nothing like that. Like, but the, right. but you almost have to, for me, I almost have to have some really dramatic results like that to get it. Oh, I'm terrible. I, I'm, I mean, I, I was able to stop essentially heroin. It was heroin at a pill. I was able to stop doing that, but I, but I'm having a hard time putting the chili down. It's just like, it's really, it's a struggle, man. It's, I think it's primarily sugar. I think it's processed sugars is what, what drives all that because you know, the way I started and, and you know, this was, I do it's 90% diet and 10% exercise. I mean, if well, I should say probably 10% sleep and probably about half a percent exercise to be honest. Uh, I wasn't sleeping before, so that's another thing I've really started doing. Is I'm I'm in bed and out by like nine thirty. So okay. tell, now uh, tell me about that. When you weren't sleeping, was that because you're a night owl and you stayed up, and that was just your routine, or you couldn't sleep? No, I just got into that habit. You yep. know, I, that's when I was running and gunning so hard. So like I would bust it all day at work, come home, see the girls for two hours, get them in bed, and at that point it was time to get on the computer, and I would sit there until two three in the morning trying to come up with some whatever digital technique or something. And yeah. I, and I liked it, you know, it kind of, I was fueled off of that. Uh, but you know, eventually I would just have to crash. And so I was going on three, four hours of sleep habitually and it just was not a good thing. So it's really funny. I, I have to tell you for all the things I can tell you, I've experienced, you know, the weight loss, the weight game, all this stuff. I have always been a sleeper. Man, really? Even when I was a kid, I'd go to bed early because I I wanted my sleep, and I I'm still I'm a pretty good sleeper. I'm a pretty good sleeper, and I'm pretty I'm like there's not much that's going to keep me from going to bed at a reasonable yeah. time. Honestly, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I will say that actually I interviewed uh, Jason Smithson a couple weeks ago, and and just because of the time difference, I got up at four to interview him at four thirty, and honestly, I can do that. Like I, I have a much harder time staying up than I do getting up early. I can get up early every time. It's kind of no big deal. So, so sleep's a weird thing for me. And I have yeah. one of my sons is like that too. Like my youngest son, he's up at five every morning, almost like clockwork. It's crazy. So, well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to reverse that because most of the productive, successful people I know are up real early. And so I'm trying to go to bed early and, and now I'm forcing myself to get up and do a bike ride twice a week at like. 4:45 a.m. So I'm I'm trying, but I'm still not there on the mornings yet. Sure, and I mean, to some extent, I think there's a little natural predilection for morning stuff. I've always that's it hasn't been a struggle because I've always kind of been like that. But then again, I'm the guy that even in college, man, 10 o'clock, I'm like, screw that, I'm going to bed. You know, <laughs> like, right. like so yeah. I was, and I know that there's a certain amount of just lifestyle that people have built into that. So it's it's not not necessarily an easy thing to change. Right. Yeah. Totally agree. 
So, so yeah, I started doing that. And then, uh, the dietary stuff, you know, I got, uh, the place I started was I said, you know, I'm going to just do whole foods, uh, you know, no more Cokes and Mountain Dew, even though it's the sweet nectar of life. No uh, doubt. I decided, you know I mean? yes, it's the best thing ever, but I, I decided no more of that, uh, no processed stuff, no sugar at all. And just started, you know, doing whole foods. So the perimeter of the, the grocery store. Yep. The outside, so, that's right. Yeah. I did that lost about 10 or 15 pounds, kind of stalled out and then started reading and listening to some stuff about ketogenic diet and thought, you know what, that doesn't sound too bad to me. So I'm going to try that. And man, I started seeing it melt off at that point. And, uh, so I've kind of been doing off and on ketogenic diet since then. And, uh, it's really been effective. I, uh, I had my cheat day today and I, I pounded a whole thing of tortilla chips and cheese dip at the Mexican restaurant. Sure. Sure. I'll be back on it tomorrow. So t- okay, so talk to me. What's interesting to me is that that a whole food diet, like the outside of the the outside of the supermarket kind of diet, and a ketogenic diet, to me doesn't seem that much. So what's the main difference between those two things? the The biggest difference uh, is that you know there's a lot of healthy starches and stuff that you can eat, but the ketogenic diet, you're trying to almost do absolutely no carbs whatsoever. I mean, like five grams a day. And that's just like what you happen to pick up in your spinach or whatever. Sure. Sure. So absolutely no carbs. And then I forget the number, but I think it's, you're shooting for like 80% of your calories from healthy fats, sure. you know, avocado, olive oils, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then minimal on the proteins. So it's a little, oh, different so from, it's okay. It is different because the, okay. Yeah. So, okay. It's not like Atkins where Atkins is, you know, eat protein. A ton of protein. Yeah. Uh, so this, you know, I, I'm, Basically, I do that bulletproof coffee in the morning, and then I don't eat till supper just because that's the easiest for me to do. And then mm-hmm. I'll eat a, a reasonably small piece of protein and then just a bunch of vegetables with olive oil and guacamole and what kind of like vegetables? That. What kind of vegetables are you okay with? With like obviously carrots and stuff like that are going to have quite a bit of sugar in them. What, what like yeah, you're talking, are you talking talking like broccoli? You're talking about, yeah, okay, yeah, broccoli and uh, green beans and salads and things like that. See, I think I can do that. I think I can do that. I I am it, not a I'm not a not picky eater, but it's, but what what has always gotten me is I'm like oh yeah I'll throw a couple chicken breasts in there I'll be and, and I mean clearly that's <laughs> that's good protein but that's more protein than you're you're looking for in your diet basically. Well, it is, and and so the interesting thing that happened, like I was the guy. I mean, I was I bet I was eating six thousand calories a day. I mean, I can I love food. I can mm-hmm. put it away. Mm-hmm. But what's cool is after you start doing this a while, you get fat adapted, and I've got so much excess fat to burn that I just. I don't get hungry, which is an a that's a miracle for me. Sure, and so you know, for me, that would just be a miracle. That would be a miracle for me. I'm like never full. It's amazing. Right. Yeah, and so for me to actually see that, man, that gave me a it gave me a lot of motivation. So I can do that, you know, coffee full of healthy fat in the morning, and then I'm good. You, would you dinner. use like a, you use a coconut oil or, or what? What oil do you put? Yeah, in there? Co- coconut oil. I I use some MCT oil. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Stuff like that. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll, dinner is protein and then a bunch of fat and green vegetables. And that's pretty much it. That's great. I mean, it's cool that you, it's cool that you've got that. Now, do you, do you stay on that for an extended period of time or you try and rotate into more of a whole foods thing after a while just for balance or what, what do you, what are you thinking about that? Well, I'm doing, I'm doing one cheat day a week or, or what I've also been doing, like so many weekends I've traveled into these courses and like, I yeah. can't go to Las Vegas and, and not eat the, the Caesars buffet. You yeah. Know what I mean? so, yeah. I'll do a cheat buffet or I'm sorry, a cheat day where I'll just gorge myself on anything and everything I want. Um, if I, 
you know, I'm in Vegas for three days and I kind of cheat for three full days, what I'll do is I'll come back and I'll fast for two or three days and really do nothing but that bulletproof coffee. And, uh, so that kind of gets me back on the wagon and, you know, gets me back into ketosis pretty quick. So I'm doing that. And when I hit my target weight, then I'll go back to just the whole foods diet and just try to maintain there. And what's funny is, okay, so when I hit my goal weight, which was, I can't even believe this, it was 198. I was 198 back in 2005. It's like I was a husk of the person that I am right now. Unbelievable. But it was great, man. My knees and ankles didn't hurt at all. It's freaking awesome. Um, 200 is where I'm trying to get to. Yeah. I I mean, I would, yeah, I I got to get to work on this. So then the question is, what what kind of stuff irritates your back? And actually... What's the diagnosis for your back? It's it's clearly more than just a muscle strain thing going on here. Is it, do you have yeah, a diagnosis? Is I, there is there something I, more than just that? Honestly, we don't. You know, I've I've been to I've been shuffled around to every doctor, and my MRI doesn't look great, but it doesn't look terrible either. I mean, I've got all these little spots in the discs and whatever. So uh, they first said degenerative disc disease, which that's probably most likely what it is. And then they were wondering if the chemo had done something, but you know, I was kind of having this issue in several months leading up to the, my my uh, leukemia. So we don't really know if it's something that had nothing to do with that or not. And, uh, I'm not a surgical candidate. Everybody has universally told me surgery will make you worse. You know, that you'll do it and you'll feel good for two years and then you'll have to have more. And it's just goes on like that. So I, I mean, you, you therapy, obviously have had patients, I have two that have said the exact same thing. So any kind of surgery oh, like yeah. that, that's not yeah, yeah. not basically from like me breaking bones and stuff makes me pretty nervous. Right. Yeah. So went through all that, went through months and months of physical therapy and, you know, had huge gains in strength and flexibility, but no improvement in the pain. And it's, it's basically when I get over into a hunched over position, extended amounts of time. So that's <laughs> you mean like when you're dentistry. doing dentistry, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> that's, exactly. Yeah, basically dentistry. Uh, if I, you know, having to sit on an airplane, that's a guarantee. I'm going to have to take narcotics that night. Every time I take one of these long plane rides. Interesting. Um, but yeah, if I get hunched over and I have to stay there for long, that's, that's what gets me. Like I can do bent over rows and exercise and that stuff all makes me feel better. Okay. Um, so I, I don't know. It's a weird deal. So your exercise really isn't limited by it is what you're saying. It's more, it's more of a, a, a chronic hunched over deal. Yeah. I mean, some things are like, I, I've had to quit doing squats and deadlifts. I can't have a, a ton of just big, heavy weights, like going down the length of my spine. That'll flare it up too. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, everything else basically I can do as long as it's not axial straight down my spine. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So it's made a huge difference for you though, the, between the diet and the exercise, you've lost the weight back is still bugging you, but I mean, is, are you hopeful that there will be, you know, you've, how long until, how long until you're at your, your goal weight? How, how far do you have to go? Let's see. I'm at 225 right now. So, so I got another 25, but you're more than halfway yep. there. Oh yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. That's great. Oh so, yeah. But yeah. I still hope I'm thinking maybe in that last 25 pounds, maybe you'll get something with the back. That's what I'm hoping. And I'm hoping so. That's, that's what I'm shooting for. And actually, you know, they I'm seeing a pain specialist now and they've, they've actually found some drugs that really do help with my baseline and just my day to day. But even after I did that for two weeks and was feeling good, I went back up to the office and I just tried to do a bunch of lab work one day, which put me over in that position and man, mm-hmm. I, it was right back. So I don't know. I don't know what's the deal. I feel like the rusty old tin man. I, I trust me, man, my, my ankles and knees and stuff. And of course the, the older you get, the more that becomes like 
chronic mm-hmm. arthritis, tendonitis. I'm like, I do not need that stuff. But okay, right. so when you showed us your, you gave us the tour back in October of your office and everything like that, and and um, you do, you did do a lot. Of, you were kind of a lab work guy because that was sort of was sort of the MacGyver esque angle. But what I was right. so impressed with is your your printing setup. And and how you're and I mean you're still doing because the with the teaching and all the the kind of stuff you do with Blue Sky Bio you still are printing I'm assuming at the office I, describe just tell the audience a little bit about I think I've bragged about it on the show before but tell them a little bit how you do your your printing because you you basically have the big printer in the basement of the office right right well I ended up actually bringing it home oh did you really of, oh interesting okay it's, it's out in the garage at the moment okay. but uh, you still yeah, do the webcam so you can like do it from your bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's got a webcam built into it, and uh, it's got a computer. So, like, what used to be my workflow is that I would throw the uh, I would throw the home beam files or whatever into the cloud, or my my girls at work would. And uh, when I got home, they were already uploaded, and I could plan my cases and whatever, design the guides, and then I would throw the guide back into the cloud, and I would go in Team Viewer and open up that computer. And I would start at printing so that when I got there in the morning, you know, if I had a, a case the next day, the guide was already done. I just went down and popped it off the printer, cleaned it up a little bit, and we were ready to do surgery. So it was pretty efficient. I mean, printing's a little slow, so it's not something you want to sit there and watch and it, wait it for. It kind so. of is. For as sexy of a topic as it is right now, where like like that whole Blue Sky Bio Facebook group and these people who are real. I mean, I haven't seen a technology that printing is not a turnkey thing where you're going to buy it and, it's just, no. and you're just you're just going to put it on your desk and it's going to be like this is something that people who are doing it are going to even with all the help that they can get from all the Facebook groups and and Blue Sky Bio and the academy and all that stuff even with all that it's not turnkey you still have a lot of dinking around with it am i right it, it really is i mean there's a there's a lot to fidget around and learn with and it's a whole new skill set and yeah. and a way of thinking spatially that yeah. you're never done it's like going back and taking that pat perceptual yes, abilities yes test exactly on the, the but what's funny exam. is there's a lot of people that have committed to it i don't know there might have been there might be a lot of people that went ahead and bought the printer and and once they actually started doing it they're like wow <laughs> this is more than i can handle but i'm shocked at the number of people that have said you know what i'm going to drop a few thousand bucks on this thing and keep which to me strikes me as pretty cool because most of the expensive stuff that people are willing to drop money on it's pretty close to turnkey. They get a trainer come in, show them something for you know half a day, and they're off to the races. Sure. This is a this is a different skill set completely. So, uh, but, but it is. But at the same time, you you start thinking about what we as dentists are used to paying for technology, yes, and this is yes. stuff from other other fields, not in dentistry. And so, you know, really really good ones are like thirty five hundred dollars, which you know we spend that that's on hearing wise. Yeah, that's nothing. crazy. Yeah, and no, so I, when you look at that, the the cheap. Uh, price of entry plus the the huge savings you can get if you're able to master it. I think it's it's really worthwhile for most people to consider if if you're technology inclined. There's a lot of dentists though that want to scratch that itch. Seriously, there's a oh, lot yeah. I mean, the technology, and I think I think social media, like Facebook in particular, has really kind of hit its stride with regard to. I mean, there's a huge community of people that are doing this that are willing to help the new people learn how to do it. That's right. amazing yeah. to me. Like it's it's. I mean, similar to, you know, the Dental Hacks Nation has a lot of people that some people have been around for a while, some people haven't. A lot of great ideas being passed around there, but the Blue Sky Bio Group's a whole other level. I mean, like, 
Like you guys there, essentially are passing recipes around for some amazing stuff, you know? Yeah, there's there's some crazy people in that group. So it, crazy it's really, smart, crazy yeah, in, yeah. innovative I mean, and stuff. Yeah, very very progressive group. So I, I get the complaint from a lot of people that they're like, "Hey, is there another group where it's just like, here's how you place an implant or something?" I'm like, "No, man, this is like, uh, you know, Silicon Valley of of dental implants yep. in this group." So it's Wild West, man. Yep, it totally is. So. Let's talk about a little bit more Wild West stuff. You and I have talked a little bit about, um, you have a concept that you've been working with some people on about digital uh, digital dentures, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I want you to give us the pitch. I want you to give us the 90-second perfect pitch on digital dentures. Now, here's the normal rule. I give you 90 seconds, then we don't talk about it anymore, but that's crazy for this. I want you to give us the pitch, and then <laughs> I'm going I'm to ask all the questions because okay. they would kill me if I didn't ask the question. So here all is right. the 90-second perfect pitch. You've got a minute and a half to sell the Allen Mead Experience audience anything you want. An idea, a product, a service, a used car, whatever you like. But you have to stop when you hear my ass. <coughs> Welcome to the 90-second perfect pitch. Ready, set, go. All right, so dentures, one of the least profitable procedures in dentistry because we have to do five, sometimes six appointments Plus, our lab bills are out of control. Uh, I speak a lot, and I'll, I'll do a hands-up of the audience of whose denture bill is over $300 per arch, and it's usually the majority of the audience. So when you're, you're paying $300 an arch and you know United Concordia is going to give you $0.12 cents for it, it doesn't make a whole lot of financial sense. And so I've really been trying to hone this uh, down into making something affordable. And I've been working with a, a colleague, Dr. Marco Tadros, and we have, it's actually already done. It's just a matter of getting it incorporated into the software. So what we've done is we've developed a technique by which you can do your digital setup uh, all digitally. So you can do that in probably three to four minutes for setting the teeth. And then you would 3D print the try-in. Uh, you would try that in the patient's mouth. If everything is good, you now take that. You invest it in something that's very, very affordable. We're talking a few hundred bucks. Uh, that you can do in office. You would invest it. Once the investment sets up, you would crack it open, take out the printed denture, and then stick in the corresponding actual teeth that correspond to those digital ones. Shoot in the acrylic. This is all assistant-driven uh, from that point on. And you have your denture in probably next day turnaround for Five, four, 20 three, bucks or so. Two. Right on the nose. Look at that. Whoo, that's going to be tough to beat. Okay, so <laughs> now I, I'm supposed to never speak of it again, but I'm just super interested. Now, okay. okay, so what you're doing is you have a library of teeth that you're going to be able to go directly to. So you must have like the 3D teeth libraries, right? That's correct, yeah. Okay. And, and that's I remember when we were talking about this in October – that was kind of the that was kind of the hang up getting getting the right teeth. So what am I correct in that? That is correct. Yeah, I mean we had we had made our own library of teeth by just scanning them in, but that's that's not a um, reasonable way of doing it. When you start looking at at denture libraries, there may be twelve hundred teeth in a library. You mm -hmm. start thinking of all the different molds, anterior and posterior, zero degree, thirty degree, whatever. So that's not a reasonable thing. Plus, we needed a full SDL, the bottom, the top, the sides, everything. Yeah, so, I mean, it's got and it's got to be right on the money because you're essentially just plugging these teeth into your your you know right. your investment, right? That's okay. 
Right. So, you know, the, the premise is that you, you set them all digitally, uh, and we've co- we've got some really cool ways I won't elaborate too much on to, uh, to do that very, very efficiently. So set them digitally and then uh, 3D print it, and that's your try-in. Uh, you try it in the patient's mouth. You know, the try-in's a little, it's, it's not as ideal because the teeth are going to be a pretty stark white. But it's good enough. You can see everything you need to see. Check so when you when you're print, I mean, I'm assuming you guys have done quite a bit of clinical um, proof of concept. When you're, what is the print? What is the printed uh, try in denture look like? Is it all white? Well, it depends on the resin you use. So, like my jewel printer, I do have a, a very white resin. So that's the one that I use for this technique. But mm-hmm. I mean, you could use whatever color you want, whatever your printer will do. So it's not, so, but it's not like the teeth are white and the and the the you know the try-in base is pink or anything like that. No, not at this point. Now, mm-hmm. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think Form Labs was showing at the IDS show that they were coming out. Uh, I think sometime this year with a pink denture base mm-hmm. and then a permanent uh, restorative material. So if if that comes to pass, it may be that you can just print the base, print the teeth as a horseshoe, and glue them together. The only downside to that is I think that's going to be for your very most economy dentures. Yeah, your basic, you, yeah. You can't get color gradation doing that. Printing is a is an all one color. Yeah, type it's, of it's sort of a mono. Yeah, and that's I mean that's okay too. And the reality is for your trying, it's tooth position. It doesn't really matter if they got exactly. like pink gums anyhow. I guess you could probably paint exactly. it if you wanted to. But um, I mean, when you're talking, your 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 concept is not only using the technology but cutting down the cutting down the lab fee significantly there is no, it's not that big of a deal i suppose but well that to me is the biggest advantage i mean one is the turnaround time because you know for me it's going to take a month to do this denture process if i don't have a lab right there in my office so i'm cutting down on turnaround time i'm now taking the process and making it assistant driven uh, because essentially other than me verifying the try in and me potentially verifying the setup before printing it um, really all I have to do is master impressions and records. So the assistant can do everything else and then, uh, they can print it. They can do the investment. They can do the, the pour up or the injection of the denture. So it really, I think is something that we can empower our assistants to do. And, uh, the, I think they will enjoy and it will really make us much more profitable because in the end you're looking at your only cost is going to be the teeth. I mean, everything else, like the the pink acrylic and all, that's that's almost a nominal yeah, expense. Yeah, you know. You know, it's interesting. Whenever ever since I've heard you talk on this stuff, you are really about an empowered team. Like the dentist is sort of is sort of the quarterback, but man, you are you your team is really involved with this stuff. Probably more so than a lot of offices. In other words, you know, you've got you've got assistants that are doing relatively high-end lab work and stuff like that tell me about that how how did you i mean clearly you have to be working with people that you trust their ability on and and that's that's a big deal but but it sounds like you're very comfortable with that that's just been how you do it tell me about that you know i I do and and i did not start that way and i still i'm kind of the type that i would like to do it all myself because i do think i can probably do it faster and sometimes better but there came a point where we got really, really busy and like I was doing my own temps and everything because I just thought, you know what? I can do this so darn fast. Why don't I just do it? But then it got to be where I was just so busy and they needed me in the other room and whatever. And I just thought, you know what? Yeah, maybe they're going to not be great at it the first few times, but after they do it for a little bit, that's how I got good at it. And so 
I just finally had to force myself to start delegating some things. And sure enough, the first few times I would have to help them along or they would take 10, 15 minutes to make a temp until now they're, they're just very efficient at it and they do a great job on it. So chronic bridge temporaries are funny too, because like I, I have two assistants that, that I trust to do it. But yet, even though I say that it is much faster when I do it and I'm beginning to wonder if I, I don't believe their skill sets are, are lacking, but I, what I do know is they don't have a headlight and in uh, loops on. And I, well, sometimes, I sometimes think that for particularly for temporaries, I mean, when you're you're looking for that line where the margin ends and if you can't really see and geez, you know, I think about this. I don't even have overhead lights in my operatories. So unless they've got my microscope light, I'm asking them to yeah. do a lot. So the bottom line is I <laughs> and a lot of times they've been like, ah, I think they're a little wishy washy about the idea of doing, losing using loops. And for a guy who talks about magnification like I do, I can't believe I, I'm kind of a jackass for not having loops and lights for them. So I guess guess what I'm going to have to do? I guess next right. next meeting, I, they got to have them. They got to have them. You're yeah. exactly right. I mean, like, how can I expect uh, me saying oh, I'm so fast and good at it? Well, but I am using. <laughs> I have. I have. I'm cheating. Exactly. It's like yeah. not really fair for the comparison because I think right. their skill set is quite good. Actually, I'm just asking them to do a lot that do what I'm doing, but without the same tools, it's kind of not fair. Yeah, no, I, I agree totally. And and then two is just the learning curve. I mean, you've probably done 10,000 of them mm-hmm. and your assistants just simply haven't. So, um, it's, you know, none of us got good overnight and assistants are no exception. So just empowering them and let, you know, training them is a big thing. So, you know, initially when we started doing some of that stuff, I would try to take the first several and say, Hey, Mary or Becky, here's here's what I'm doing. Here's why I'm doing that. And here's what to look for if you're having such and such issue. And man, a lot of us dentists are, and I'm I'm the world's worst. We just we would just rather do the job and get out of there and go play on dental town or whatever. No, but it's true. Part of it, that's what it is. It's like in yeah, and out. But if you'll and, yeah. invest the time, I mean, it's it really does pay off in spades. I think you're right. I think you're right. Okay, so I have one. I have one last question that is a really unfair question to ask you for and give you like three minutes to do it because. Okay. I want you to tell me, I want you to tell me, knowing what you know, having worked with Blue Sky Bio and a lot of the really high-end technologies here, I want you to describe what you think dentistry is going to look like in five, like, like a regular dental office is going to look like in five years and then maybe 10 years. Like the idea of what technology is starting to just get hot now will be commonplace in five to 10 years. What, what's, what's a, you know, what's a regular dental office going to look like? Are there things that we won't have like impression material or something like that? Or, or give me, give me your, give me your five and 10 year predictions and then we'll head out. Okay. So I, I do see intraoral scanning becoming a bigger and a bigger thing, but I don't think we will ever get away from stone, particularly because of removable. So even with this digital denture stuff, you're never going to get a good border molded impression from a digital impression. Uh, so I don't think we'll ever get rid of the stone entirely. Or so your, the so your records, material. your records on these um, these digital dentures are still the same records you would be taking if you weren't doing digitally. Yeah, I mean we got some shortcuts on that, but you're still at some point going to have to break out the impression material and do some border molding because yep. otherwise you you can't get functional movements from a digital denture, and then got you're it. losing all the time you saved by having to do a ton more adjusting. Got so it. Got it. that's pretty important. Uh, I don't think we'll ever get rid of that, but I do see intraoral scanning becoming more and more prevalent. And I would like to see, and I, I plan to see, uh, the type of deal where these come down to such a low cost that you have them in basically every operatory. They become like your intraoral camera. 
And so very affordable uh, scanners. I think the technology is already there. It's just new enough that, you know, I, they have I a- do think that I do think, too, that this is a straight up money thing. Like people who are resistant to it, which was me yes. as recently as, you know, six months ago or whatever, is all about money. It's, it's all about Absolutely. it's all about. Look, I don't want to, you know, I know impression material. And actually, when you look at it, impression material is pretty expensive, but but it's something you can buy a little bit at a time. You don't have to, you don't have to drop forty thousand yeah. dollars to you know all the impressions you can take, but it's still forty thousand dollars, right? So, in that sense, I do think it comes down to money. I think it just it, they, it just doesn't make any sense for it to the way that it costs right now to to do that. So I'm, I'm well, and I'll, I'll go a step further. I mean, I, there's no way right now that it makes uh, dollars and cents cents to do digital impressioning. But it's one of those deals that kind of becomes like comb beam where it becomes such a part of your practice and how you want to do things that you're willing to spend the money. I, I can tell you, I use Genie impression material. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I could double the cost of my impression material and still not be at you the wouldn't cost touch it, yearly. Yeah. Yeah. No, nowhere close. On the other and hand, the other, go ahead. I'm sorry. The, well, I was going to say the other thing is, you know, these companies, the play is all about, okay, we'll get you a relatively affordable scanner, but then we want so much a month and data plans. We're going to nickel this. and dime you on the on the back end of it. Yeah, I'll tell you, I am so so sick to death of every person in dentistry wanting three hundred dollars a month for me that I'm I'm not going to play ball with those people anymore. I know. I know. And then and then the other thing is when you're new at it, you don't really know exactly what you're looking for. All of a sudden, oh, there's another sure. six thousand dollars charge to get STLs for a year or whatever. You're like, oh, wait yeah. a second, it's open source for another <laughs> ten thousand dollars. Yeah, open, that's what we meant. Quote unquote open source. Right. My gosh, Corey Glenn, this was spectacular. We'll obviously have to do it again. I want to. I want to hear in about four months. You're going to come back on, and you're saying, "My back, it's cured." That's what I really want to hear. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm hoping for too. <laughs> well, thank you so much for spending some time with me, and uh, we'll do it again really soon. Corey Glenn, my friends, thanks a lot, Corey. We'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Thanks. questions or comments about the podcast please email me at alan at the alan and we'll catch you again next week thank you a lot for listening